When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Healthy Versus Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if I can talk about how someone with a cluster B personality disorder could reduce or eliminate the harm that they may cause to other people. So this is an interesting question. Often when we hear about personality disorder effects on others, the messages are really designed for the other people, not for the individuals with the personality disorders. Because there's this idea that if somebody has a cluster B personality disorder, they would not be interested in changing. In my clinical experience, I found this issue to be much more nuanced. Certainly there are some people, particularly with antisocial or narcissistic, personality disorder, that do not have a pronounced internal desire to change. However, there are many others with cluster B personality pathology who do look at their relationships, their functioning, their mood, and think to themselves that something's really wrong. They might think or say to themselves that life shouldn't be this hard. Life shouldn't be this painful. I keep running into the same unpleasant situations. What's going on? Is it me? Might I have to change something? So in a sense, many people with personality pathology know that something is amiss. The difficulty is really about how responsibility is assigned. They might attribute their difficulties to the behavior of other people. We often see statements or thoughts associated with cluster B personality disorders that seem to tap into this lack of insight. Here are two examples for each of the four personality disorders in cluster B. So starting with antisocial. I was arrested because I was breaking an unfair law. Or, that person said I threatened them because they're not tough enough to fight me. Right? So we see a lack of logic there. Narcissistic. I falsely accused a person because they insulted me. How can they not understand that was justice? The next thought, I'm trapped on a planet with people who don't understand that I'm the greatest person who ever lived. How is it that they don't feel honored to be near me? Again, so... We see a disconnect. Borderline. I screamed at my romantic partner and they left the room. Why do they keep hurting me like this? Or I made my new romantic partner out to be a person who would save me, yet somehow they're not satisfied with this new role. Histrionic. It doesn't make sense that somebody that I just met would not want to be my best friend. Or why do people get so upset when I demand they pay attention to me? So the common theme here with all these different thoughts associated with these disorders would be other people are broken, right? Other people haven't figured out what's wrong with themselves. When other people make the changes that they need to make, it's at that point I might be willing to change something about myself. Now, some people believe that if you just tell a person with a cluster B personality disorder how their behavior hurts others, that person might say, okay, that makes sense. I need to change. 
It's not about being exposed to the information. The lack of insight with these disorders is profound. These beliefs are held with a high degree of conviction. I look at it like this. If somebody's car doesn't start and they yell at it, would they think to themselves, I bet this car would start if I yelled louder. Now, with all this in mind, if someone does ask themselves that original question, how can they reduce or eliminate harm they cause to other people? Is that therapeutic by itself? Well, it is a good sign. It's an indicator that somebody's ready to take ownership of their behavior. It's a sign that somebody's ready to start looking internally to find the problem. But there's actually much more to it than that. I think it's a good first step, but the real key is finding the correct answer. Often, what I've seen with cluster B personality pathology is that when somebody starts to look internally, they find a reason for the way they've been treated or the way they behave that is not accurate and is not helpful. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. So let's go through some examples with this type of thinking, again, through all four personality disorders. With antisocial, looking internally, I realized that everyone around me was psychopathic when I was young, and this explains why I am the way I am. Now, this may or may not be true, but either way, it doesn't really lead to any change. Narcissistic, I am self-centered because whenever I do something nice for somebody else, they won't repay the favor. So this thought is really more about justifying one's behavior than changing it. Borderline. The reason people don't stay in relationships with me is because they can't handle somebody who is expressive. So here we see labeling a destructive behavior with a positive term. And then histrionic. It's okay that I'm the center of attention. That relieves the pressure from other people who do not want to attract attention for themselves. This is really just rationalizing the behavior. If somebody who suffers from cluster B personality pathology is really going to change their behavior, they need to see themselves as other people see them. In essence, one could argue that recovery requires accurate empathy. Now, that accurate empathy will bring pain at first. And I think this is another significant barrier to effective treatment of cluster B personality pathology. As people look internally and they look at other people's point of view, they learn about the characteristics that they have that they didn't want to find, right? So what they discover about themselves isn't always pleasant. This is a major shift for somebody with a personality disorder. They go from being completely right 
and justified, so all the way over to one side, an extreme point of view. Then they learn about the feelings of others, and then they have to shift all the way over to the other side. They go from being completely justified to someone who's caused tremendous pain. All the while, of course, they have suffered as well. Although one could argue that individuals with antisocial and narcissistic personality disorders don't tend to suffer as much as those with borderline and histrionic personality disorders. But all the personality disorders are associated with suffering. This moment of realization can be too much to handle. What's more, when people start to realize that an individual with a personality disorder is gaining awareness, they tend to approach. They want to bring their grievances forward and tell the person, look, you caused all this harm for so many years. You need to understand my pain. This serves to overwhelm the person with the disorder, right? They just started to see themselves as other people see them, and they're getting bombarded with all this negative feedback. This is why I think that if somebody with a personality disorder is going to change, counseling is really the best way to go. The individual has never harmed the counselor, so there won't be that effect where the counselor closes in and starts to accuse them. Also, of course, counselors have training to help people recover from personality disorder symptoms. Here's the analogy I draw with this situation. Imagine somebody goes out and vandalizes property in their neighborhood. Maybe they spray painted something on the sides of houses or on vehicles. Perhaps they were intoxicated. Perhaps they just felt the need to destroy property. For whatever reason they have, they commit these series of relatively small crimes. They get arrested, they go to court, and they're feeling responsible. They realize that what they did was wrong. They violated society's norms, and they agree to take ownership. The victims are understandably angry. So if the perpetrator wants to accept a great deal of responsibility, the victims are going to be okay with that, especially right after the crimes are committed. So if the penalty for the crimes would usually be something like 30 days in jail, the victims would be okay if the perpetrator spent 300 days in jail or 3,000 days in jail. But over time, their position would probably soften. Now imagine a scenario similar to this, except the person who vandalized the property did this repeatedly for years. How mad are the victims now, right? How long is it going to be before the position becomes less extreme? This is similar to the effect of a personality disorder on other people. The victims have been exposed to the bad behavior for a long time. For example, self-centeredness, aggression, blame-shifting, manipulation, and deceitfulness. So again, it really does seem like counseling is the best option. But what if counseling is not available? Are there other ways that somebody with this type of pathology could stop hurting people? Well, a few thoughts come to mind. I have four kind of key areas here. First, the person would need to obey the law. This one seems simple, but it's common for individuals with cluster B personality pathology to violate the laws. Their disregard for the law almost seems automatic sometimes. They might say the law doesn't apply to me. The law doesn't make sense. I deserve to do what I want. And it's just not criminal law that they violate. They violate employment law and civil law as well. So a step as basic as following the law can reduce damage. The next item, the individual may want to consider waiting to respond to a statement, question, or request until there's time to think about it. Much of the damage in these situations is caused from impulsive behavior. The next item, the individual might want to consider accepting responsibility for their bad acts, right? It can be that simple. And then the last item, the person should stop being deceitful. So to summarize these four basic rules, we see 
lawful behavior, thoughtful behavior, ownership, and honesty. They seem pretty straightforward and simple, but they're not necessarily obvious or easy to follow when somebody is struggling with personality pathology. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Brightigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard note.